Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Father Gabriel Mosier, an associate pastor at Holy Rosary Parish in Portland. How's it going, Gabriel? I'm doing well, Brett. How you doing? I I'm I'm good. A very uh, just um, flat good. I guess I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> Brett, you're always great. Uh, so last time we talked, um, almost a hundred episodes of Systematic ago. I mean, I've talked to you since then, but last time we did a podcast. Yeah, you yeah. were you were a friar. I was just a brother, just a, a simple lowly brother, I guess. And now you are a father. The yes. student has become the master. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I like it. How, how, what happens? How does one ascend? What is the path taken from brother to father? Well, there can there can only be two at any given time, and so you have to kill the master. And, or, no, I'm just kidding. The uh, no the two. The, the whole, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's like the worst Highlander plot I've ever heard. Pretty much. No, <laughs> I, I've switched to switched to Highlander to 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 the Sith, you know, hierarchy. Ah, but, okay. Yeah, sorry, I was moving too quick. But in any case, <laughs> the uh, uh, no, the whole the whole plan of studies that I was in while I was uh, uh, a brother in the order was all sort of ordered to my eventual ordination as a priest, and and so that finally concluded. And uh, the dear, well, there's two steps. The first step is to be ordained a deacon. I was ordained a deacon a couple years ago. And then almost two years ago, I was ordained a priest uh, in in uh, our church in San Francisco, and then I was assigned immediately up here to Portland, Oregon, where I love it, and I just I love the city. Because I, I hope they forget about me. Previously, you were Bay Area. Yeah, I was living in Oakland in the Rockridge area. Yeah, and now you're in Portland, so you're still West Coast, but it's a very different world up there. Uh, yeah, very much. Well, in some ways, it's almost like a time warp. Portland, Portland has been described, and I think rightly so, as San Francisco twenty years ago. Hmm. Is yeah. that good or bad? I think it might be good if they avoid the landmines that San Francisco stepped on. Yeah, I actually, uh, I I remember it was about twenty years ago. How old am I? Yeah, a uh, little over twenty years ago. I I drove to San Francisco. That was a fun it's, trip, but yeah, I, I did see San Francisco twenty years ago. It's a good, it's a good place. I, I I miss the Bay Area because I really grew to love the Bay Area, but but I've always loved Oregon and and in particularly Portland. I I lived here previously for about a year before I was a Dominican, so I'm kind of happy to be back. Well, welcome home. Yeah, it I was. guess. It, it, yeah, it's not really home. You're a couple years, but whatever. Okay, when I was a kid. Going to uh, Baptist church, I always thought that deacon was the same as usher. Yeah, yeah, it's a little little different in the in, in the Catholic church. <laughs> well, it, it is in every church. I just I always heard the phrase and just assumed they were the guys standing at the door at, with the uh, the brochure, the not the bro- the what do you call it? the program. Yeah, like either a program or maybe sort of like a bulletin to take home or bulletin. something like that. That's what they called them, bulletins. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a little different. The the uh, in in the first century, uh, the deacons were the ones. So, like one of the first martyrs, Saint Lawrence, he he was in charge of sort of a region of the city of Rome, and he what he was in charge of was the care of the poor. And so the the city of Rome was divided into seven sort of prefectures, and each one of those prefectures had a deacon that was assigned to care for the poor and the material needs of the of the poor. And that's actually part of the famous story of how he was martyred. One of the Roman governors required of him to bring all the riches of the church. And so what he did is he brought when he at the assigned time, he brought all of the poor and sick and lame uh, in the city. <laughs> to to the to the Roman governor and the Roman governor was not that pleased and so you know had him killed <laughs> good story yeah no rome pagan rome really knew how to do paganism 
they they had fun with it. Did you know that in Mormonism, the deacon is the lowest grade of the Aaronic priesthood? Uh, yeah, that that sounds about right because that's similar to us, and they sort of mirror our structure in many ways. Uh, so the the deacon is currently the lowest of of all the clerics, and then so it's deacon, priest, bishop. And there's only three grades these days. What uh, what is your equivalent of magic underwear? Ah, robes. Um, no, I guess I don't really have anything like that. Uh, What's that goes... thing you wear around your shoulders? The, like, oh my, uh, the the kappa my or which? It's like a scarf, but it's it lays flat on the front of your. Oh, the stole. Yeah, that's stole. that's the sign of the sign of office, I guess. Yeah, that's the the stole is is the what designates you as a priest. Are there different designations like three star, five star? Uh, well, you can, you know, do you some get merit made... badges to put on it? <laughs> Not on that, but yeah, no, you, uh, there are, there is the possibility of like, you've heard, I'm sure of someone being a Monsignor or something like that. These are honorary titles that are given to people who in theory have done a lot of good work. And so they're, they're honored, you know, accordingly. Huh? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, you would that's... be amazed at the shallowness of my knowledge of the Catholic church. <laughs> well, that's I, most Catholics too, so you're, you're not alone. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. Um, so, what's what's different for you now? Well, I mean, so back then, my primary work was really to study, to study, and to live sort of the regular life that we have, which you know, the the hours of prayer and all that stuff. Well. That's still the case, but now instead of the hyper focus on on studies and doing that academic work and getting the thesis written, et cetera, now it's the pastoral work, which is involves you know just a lot of a lot of care of people, and and so we have a parish here. It's it's not a gigantic parish. It's got about a thousand families, which means roughly you know four thousand five thousand people, and and. Uh, we're responsible for all of their, their pastoral needs, which involves their spiritual care, sometimes financial assistance, um, well, and, and, and also sort of emotional care and, and different things. So I find myself doing a lot of what's called spiritual direction, which is uh, someone will approach me and say, hey, Father Gabriel, would you like to, would you be able to meet with me on a regular basis so that we can talk about my development in, in the spiritual life, my prayer life, my moral life, et cetera? And so I do a lot of that. And then also, uh, for some reason, my, my own, every, it's weird, every priest sort of gets a certain group of people that come to them, I don't know, because they're comfortable or whatever. And one of the groups that I tend to get a lot of, it seems, is people who are in seriously struggling marriages. And so I've been, uh, you know, helping or trying to help really uh, a lot of a lot of couples uh, that have been going through very difficult times in their in their marriage. So got a lot of that. Uh, I have a question. Lot of... Yeah, sure, Brett. How many times have you been married? Um, I've been married zero times. And how many times has the average priest been married? Mostly zero. So why how why do they get to be marriage counselors? Well, it's it's a priest is in some sense almost like a I don't know in that sense sort of like a rabbi, right? You go you go to the priest not because he's been married, but in some sense because he hasn't. Uh, he's the priest is not. What's the there. correlation with a rabbi there? Rabbis yeah, can get married. They do, but but you know the the whole the whole notion of 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 being a rabbi, being seeking. Seeking the advice of a wise man, not simply because they have actual experience in a particular matter, but because they can give advice based off of sound principles. And that's that's kind of the idea of sort of my role. I, I would I can't do what, say, a marriage counselor does or what a psychologist does or any of that sort of work. In fact, I refer out when when people's needs are are beyond my competence. And, and it's always a bad priest that doesn't, uh, that tries to do things that are, you know, tries to be a pop psychologist or something like that. Or a sex but, therapist. Or a sex therapist or any of these sorts of crazy <laughs> things, which happens too often. But, uh, but when sometimes people just need to reflect their, their difficulties and their, their issues with someone who's a neutral party. And a mediator. And, 
in some sense a mediator. That's that's a really good way of looking or a at it. Facilitator. I think. Sure. Oftentimes that's that's sometimes it. Just oftentimes it's my my job in that sort of sphere ends up being helping a couple re re-engage in uh, communication authentic like real communication instead of speaking past each other or or not really communicating and thinking they're communicating sort of that that sort of work putting things in context of their faith these these that, sorts of things that, that i are, can see yeah i am not skeptical about that yeah and it's all it's in some ways it's all a piece and so it's just seeing how all the pieces kind of come together and oftentimes what i find is that the pieces have gotten scattered all over the floor and and sort of you know you can look and and see how people's lives have developed and and whatnot and try and help them not do it yourself not not be sort of a i don't know i don't know i don't have a good analogy for this but you're you're not the one putting things back together you're helping them see and put their lives back together whether it's marriage counseling, whether it's spiritual direction, whether it's any other sort of assistance. You know, sometimes people just want someone to talk to. Some so people that, are lonely. That just that kind of accidentally became your beat? Your yeah. niche? Just, uh, yeah, accidentally. It just sort of happened. And and uh, I keep, I just keep getting more and more, you know, couples that are have that are struggling and, and they they come and see me. It's just, just what it is. And maybe, maybe it has to do with, with their experience uh, with the other major part of being a priest is hearing confessions. And there's a lot of bad experiences with, with confession and, be, and which is no surprise because it's such a, an intimate sort of um, thing that if a priest isn't, isn't really sensitive to the needs of the person, isn't really listening, but instead is, is just waiting to respond or is bored because, uh, you know, you've you've heard thousands upon thousands of confessions, and there's nothing new under the sun, and so you just kind of like it's all becomes routine. But if you actually listen and you you try and help people um, overcome the things that they want to overcome, then then I think you know people are more more open to to bring you into other aspects of their life, and so maybe that's part of it. I try and work. I work really hard on being a good confessor. That's that's one of my particular loves of this of this work. Does does the phrase confessor re- refer to the person receiving the confession or giving it? Uh, the one the one who is hearing uh, the confession. So the priest hearing the confession. That seems backwards. You would think, right? That seems uh, like the confessee. Right. You would think, but it's it's uh, it's 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 just a way that the term has developed. You, you're probably right grammatically, but. You know, that's that's, that's semantics. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. Um, yeah, it's just the way it's developed in the English language. I don't know why. Right. I've never really thought about it, so that's interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, this is this is intriguing. My knowledge of uh, Catholicism mostly comes from a couple of masses attended with friend in my youth, and then the movie Boondock Saints. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's the that's first a different one. sort of trinity. The first one, the second one was awful, but I didn't I didn't even see the second don't, one. I was afraid. Don't. Just enjoy the first one. I watch it repeatedly despite I don't understand how it got a 46% Rotten Tomatoes rating. It's 46%? That's absurd. I agree. That movie I, was the, wonderful. The first time I saw that movie I was in college when I was at Texas A&M and a friend of mine showed it to me, and he just thought it was the most marvelous movie ever. And I was like, "Yeah, this is this is brilliant. It's well put together." Yeah, I'm glad William Defoe's agree. character cracks me up. Yes, it's so good. Oh, okay, so what's your daily life like now? Yeah, so so the day to day is is pretty routine, uh, and and I have to be very um, disciplined, or else it all falls apart, which happens on a regular basis because you know I'm not a machine. So, so I try and get up at six in the morning so that I can either say mass at seven. We have, we have two masses here at the parish. We have a seven o'clock mass and a noon mass daily and uh, Monday through Friday and then Saturday at eight, nine. And then, uh, and then the Sunday masses begin with Saturday evening. But then, um, so usually the day is six o'clock, wake up seven o'clock mass or not seven thirty. 
um, morning prayer, so we, we chant the Psalms, the brothers, there's seven of us that live here. And, and um, so we do that, then breakfast, then I start checking my inboxes after that. <laughs> so the email, uh, physical inbox, uh, uh, DMs on Twitter, <laughs> all, all, the various, all the various inboxes that we have. And, uh, and then, then I have some time for personal prayer. And after that, it's about 10 o'clock by this point. Uh, I have an hour in the morning to meet with people who can meet only in the morning. So 10 o'clock to 11. 11 o'clock daily, we hear confessions here. So I'm usually in the confessional about 11 to 12. Then there's a noon mass, which alternately I'll have with some of the guys. You know, they'll we trade off who has what mass. Then lunch, um, more uh prayer, more chanting of the Psalms, divine office, daily rosary, then an hour for study. And, and then after that, I've have two hour block, uh, to meet with people who can meet in the afternoons. And then by this time it's already five o'clock. And so at five fifteen, roughly is when we have our, our evening prayer again, coming together to, to chant the Psalms. Then we have a half an hour of recreation together uh, as a community, sort of like family time, if you want to think of it that way. Then dinner immediately following. Then after that, we go back to prayer, chant the Psalms again for Compline. And then we, we close the church at 7.30. And immediately after that, there's usually evening activities here that, that generally um, I have to be at, whether it's, uh, you know, I'm the chaplain for the Knights of Columbus, so I'll go to the Knights of Columbus meeting, or I'll go to, I, I take care of the youth and young adults, so we have meetings for those groups, uh, whether it's here at the parish or out at the pub or whatever it is. Um, you know, so often, oftentimes in the evening I'm, I'm out doing stuff till about, oh, I'd say about nine, 10 o'clock. Then I come back for about another hour of study. And then I spend an hour doing nothing, <laughs> trying to deprogram the day. And then I go to bed and I try and do it all over again the next day. That is insanely grueling. Yeah. yeah I, I am cringing my introvert personality could not make it through that day like ever not once and you know what's interesting most priests i'm 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 an outlier most priests are naturally introverts but they they keep that schedule they have like oh man if i get two meetings in a day i feel overwhelmed my brain shuts down two meetings and more than like three things on my to-do list and i feel like the world's ending Oh yeah, no. It's it. It can be this this schedule. This this life, as as I put it, is extremely uh, grueling because it's. I I would say the reason why is because it is so people and emotionally charged. You're constantly in the midst of everybody's strong emotions, Does and it, sorry, go ahead. You, yeah, and you have to be able to navigate that by having a certain stability to your own. Does uh, does the Catholic Church have a focus, an emphasis on the rapture, the way that evangelical free churches do? No, not in the way that they do. What what we do say is is there's a technical term. We say you know Christianity is naturally eschatological, which is meaning that it always and it's always looking towards the end times, you know, the second coming. And but the difference, the different disposition is that we're not sort of obsessed with it. We're just like, yeah, okay, it'll happen someday. Just like be prepared by being a good person. Like that's that's pretty much the the only real story about that. You you get some outliers. You get some people that are like, sort of, I don't know. You you have a particular crowd of people that that are sort of obsessed with that sort of stuff. But they're definitely outliers. Uh, the 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 church and most of the people are just kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's going to happen at some point. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. I've referred to, at certain points in my life, Christianity as scatological as well. <laughs> well, yeah. What was the word as, you said? Es 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 eschatological. <laughs> yeah, the es eschaton, right? So so the, the Greek word eschaton, meaning the end. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, after I said that, I was like, "Oh gosh, this is radio. It might actually sound like, yeah, <laughs> scatological." <laughs> um, so the reason I asked was, like, I I had said it would seem like the end of the world, and then I wondered if every day seems like the end of the world to you, because where I grew up, it was basically, "Don't worry, the rapture could come tomorrow. 
nothing will matter. And you're going to heaven because you're sitting in this pew. No, no, there's none of that. There's, there's, there's not that sort of Pollyannishness nor the, nor the, uh, sort of despair of things. I think it's, it's, it's a different, it's almost inverted from that, the, the disposition. So yeah. And to some degree, there's always that coming to life and, and, and going to death and every day, that's, that's sort of the rhythm of the divine office, the chanting of the Psalms. They're structured sort of that the morning is, is sort of the Psalms are focused on rising and, and praise and laud and, you know, joy, that sort of stuff. And then they, then the midday Psalms are, are focused on, on assistance in our daily labors. And then evening sort of their Psalms focused on sort of the, uh, sacrifice and, 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 you know, just evening sort of, uh, the, the sun is going down, these sorts of things. And then night Compline, it's definitely sort of, uh, sort of the end of all things, your own, the end of your own life, the end of the world and whatnot. So you sort of live that cycle, but it's not in any sort of like wackadoodle extreme sort of sense. So there is that sort of symbolically going on in the day-to-day life, but, um, but there isn't sort of, yeah, like I said, there, there wouldn't be sort of a strange, what I would call a strange obsession with that. It's more, it's more just recognizing sort of the natural rhythms and flows of life and of, you know, creation. And, and that's all brought into the, the life of prayer and the rhythm of life and, you know, how you live in communion with all things. When you say Psalms, do you mean from the book of Psalms? That's right. Yes. Um, is the book of Psalms in the Catholic uh, canonical text the same as the uh, one used by, like, say, the King James Version of the Bible? Yes, the only difference is the numbering. There's uh, the, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know, I'm not a, I don't know all the details of the history of uh, biblical scholarship and whatnot, but for some reason at one point, one, there's a way that one of the really, really long psalms is divided differently uh, between the King James and between the way that uh, the Catholics divide the psalms up. But, but, but other than that... Um, no, they're the exact same. It's the exact same text. Are there any specific psalms you don't chant? I don't know, actually. Um, yes. Uh, well, it's complicated. The The modern breviary that was introduced in the 1960s, that it, it does not have in it uh, a couple of the psalms that they call the cursing psalms. They're not, they're not in there anymore uh, for whatever reason. Uh, there's a reason for that. But I love redaction. Yeah, I know. It's just kind of like, hey, let's be happy and not think about these things. And I'm like, no, that's silly. Um, but uh, but I still pray some of those because I I will uh, I'll often uh, use in my private when I don't have to be with the brothers. So like today, today is my day off, so I don't have to be with the brothers at all the various uh, events throughout the day. Um, I'll pray. Uh, an older version of the divine office, which has all the Psalms in it and a lot more uh, daily. What is this phrase you're using divine office? The divine office is, yeah, it's, it's very, it's kind of hard to uh, describe. It's the Psalms, but structured in a, in a sort of a logical pattern that goes throughout the year and the seasons. So it's in the, in the old version, the, the, version of the divine office that I'll pray privately, which is in from 1962, that one, you go through all 150 Psalms in a week. In the modern one, uh, you go through the Psalms over a four week period. And, and so it's just a slightly different, uh, rhythm of how that all works. And, they're joined with, it's not just a Psalm, so it's joined with other, other readings. So like little snippets here and there from different parts of scripture, mostly the letters of St. Paul and, and then readings from, uh, various Christian writers from the early, from the early centuries for the first thousand years and, and, you know, stuff like that. And so it just goes throughout the week and throughout the day. And that's sort of a, it's, it serves sort of as the foundation and sort of rhythm. It's, it's almost like a spiritual metronome, uh, for priests and religious. Okay. A metronome meaning you you match the rhythm with the instrument you're playing 
Yeah, in some sense, yeah, it sets the rhythm of your of your life and of your day. And we have a saying that we pray that there's the divine office is always being prayed throughout the world because every priest and religious is bound to pray it. Uh, we 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 make a promise to pray all of the hours so of you, the you, of the divine office. Do you have a song called "It's Psalm Five Somewhere"? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's Psalm One through <laughs> One Fifty, and and we're we're always sort of sort of uh, going through those. And what's interesting about it, one of the brothers reflected on it that sometimes you're not feeling the emotion that's being that's being articulated by that psalm, but that's when you come to realize that you're not just praying this for yourself. Like you're you're praying this in union with the entire uh, people. And so some someone somewhere is experiencing these either joyful emotions that you're not you're not experiencing right now or sorrowful emotions that you're not experiencing right now. And so you're 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 more than just yourself. You're you're uniting yourself to everybody that's out there that's suffering and it's filled with joy and that's and and so that that brings a certain tenor to your life that you can you can move back and forth between these various as I said earlier you're constantly engaged with people and uh, usually in their most intense periods of life and you can move between you know one day as as one priest that I know put it he says one day one day in a priest you can be you can be in joy with a family baptizing their child then an hour later, you're you're burying someone. You're, you're going through the mourning process with them. An hour later, you're doing a wedding. And an hour later, you'll be anointing someone as they're dying. You know, it, you're and you're constantly engaged with people or counseling people, constantly engaged with them in these most intense moments of their life. And the rhythm and the of the of the Psalms of actually praying the Psalms is what provides the foundation of the even the ability to do that. I think just psychologically. In regards to that last, uh, we'll call it a paragraph. Um, yeah, I, I have, I have, I was just talking with someone about this. I don't think it was on a podcast, but I do have an, a uh, great respect for clergy, despite my own lack of religion. Uh, every clergy person is a, is a, a vital part of at least part of a community. Because they are there for so many people. Like, they're kind of on call 24 hours to handle the best and worst of people's lives. It's true. And that is that is a respectable position to be in as far as humanitarian efforts go. And to do it without judgment. That's the... That's the uh, well, if you had any judgment, you would stop. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think that if you... But there, you know, it's funny though, because you find you find clergy that are that get indignant about things, or that are, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, as you said, you know, you you have respect for all the clergy that you know, but also on that same token, those that don't do it well tend to be do it really, really poorly, and and end up being a huge problem. Do they stay clergy though? Yeah, some of them do. Um, not so much in this country, I don't think anymore. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know of all the other sort of different religions and denominations and whatnot, but I know in some countries, some countries, it's still the case that if you become a, a religious leader of any sort, it doesn't matter if it's if it's a, a priest or a pastor or some um, or a Buddhist monk, uh, it will increase your station in life. Uh, in in some of the more poorer countries, and it's a way of, for some people to get out of poverty, and so then they take advantage. Um, I've seen it. I've seen I've seen people who take advantage of that that position, that job, and it's really really hurtful. Uh, not only for the people, but uh, for the entire sort of work of of caring for people. For it 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 really it makes everyone suspect, and that's yeah. that's unfortunate. So I've never seen you wear pants. Do you yeah, get to wear pants now? No, gosh. I mean, I could, but I don't. Pants are the worst. They really are. <laughs> so you still walk around in robes. Next time oh, I yeah. see you, you're going to be in a black robe with a white collar. Yeah. Well, no. Just no. It's uh, no. Not uh, so. Just because I'm a priest doesn't mean that I cease to be a Dominican. So I still wear the Dominican habit. So the the white, you know, the white tunic and everything with the the, the black cape. Oh. Well, like 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 when I saw you up in uh, when when I was up there in St. Paul and we we got to see each other. 
the um, uh, I was up there actually to do a wedding, and and so that was that was nice, and so I was already a priest by then, so you wouldn't be able to oh. tell the difference. Oh, that was after your ordination. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Huh. And here I thought you were gonna like go through like a uh, uh, chrysalis, <laughs> and somehow come out with pants. No, no, that, that's awful. <laughs> oh gosh! Still, whoever whoever invented pants is is going to spend a long time in purgatory. Now, the the uh, Chaucer, I, I think I mentioned this on occasion. Chaucer, in the Canterbury Tales, in the in the Parsons Tale, he has this whole homily against pants. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> it's if if you haven't read the Canterbury Tales, you should go back and read them. And uh, it, it's they're hilarious. I haven't, but it sounds like something that Samuel Clemens. AKA Mark Twain would have written. Oh, certainly. I mean, there's there's such a brilliant sense of humor and a both uh, sort of what I would call an, a natural piety, but in it, in an impious way. It's marvelous, right? There's no there's no pretense that that uh, priests, religious clergy, nobility, anybody are actually decent human beings. You know, the only person actually the only person that is decent in the Canterbury Tales is the priest, the Parsons Tale, and Chaucer, in explaining why in the introduction of the parson, he has this marvelous phrase. He says, he says, uh, and he was a good man, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, and, and why is this so? He says, because if the gold is to rust, what is the iron to do? Yeah. It's such a marvelous turn of phrase. I think about it all the time. Nice. So I want to ask real quick, uh, in the uh, pre-show, which I never published, but in the pre-show, you mentioned a uh, Catholic radio station and your involvement there. Tell me about that. Yeah, so part of the interesting things about this parish here is we established years and years and years ago the oldest Catholic radio station in the United States, and uh, and it had a simple purpose. It was they would broadcast once a day uh, the, the praying of the rosary. That's, that's all they would do. And then it, it morphed into something much larger. And so it's its own entity now, but the pastor here, because of that historic connection, gets to appoint one person to the board of directors. And so when I came here, uh, my superior, Father Vincent, he assigned me to the, to be the, one of the, uh, board members, which is marvelous. Uh, we have a really great board and a wonderful staff. In fact, tomorrow I'll be doing an interview for the radio station there, and uh, we just help guide its its programming and the direction and the purpose of the radio station. It's a marvelous work, and it covers. And we're trying to grow it even further, but it it covers all of western Western uh, Oregon, and uh, it's it's an interesting endeavor. I've never been on on that side of of radio production, and I'm still not in the production aspect. We have we have a very competent general manager and, and staff that does that, but guy giving guidance to, uh, to, to direction for a, for a company, really a, a, a radio station is a fascinating endeavor. Is there a, a correlating podcast? Ha, well, actually, uh, he's been thinking about that. The, the, the guy who hired to, to run the station recently, Pat, he's a great guy. Uh, he, was thinking about that. He, he wants to sort of do a podcast and he's asked me if I'd be interested. I say, I don't really have time right now, but maybe in the future. Um, so I don't you're know. Too busy doing other people's podcasts. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> but I think it would be fun. I think it'd be well, good. I just figure if they're already producing the content, you could, I mean, you could do it NPR style and package the shows and distribute them further. Yeah, it could be done. The difficulty is with us. So the way this station works, it's we the majority of the stuff that's being produced is produced by other entities, and we we sort of pipe that in according to our mm. own format. We have our own. We do have our own native sort of broadcast things that are done in studio, but the vast majority of the programming is done by other entities. And that's yeah. sort of the structure of, of Catholic radio these days. You know, you really only need an hour a week, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> which, uh, uh, do you hear my schedule? <laughs> I did. That yeah. doesn't include staff meetings <laughs> or other, like, other things that I'm helping. How are you here right now? 
it's like I said, it's my day off. I keep <sighs> it. I keep. I keep the day off absolutely uh, uh, sacrosanct. I don't let anything happen, <laughs> no matter how up. much I'm tented. All right, all right. Are you ready for the top three picks? I I would love I would love to uh, to I've got some I've got some fun things. I thought you were gonna say I would love to want to, but yeah no i i I would i love to i just i'm still as i told you in the pre-show i'm i'm ambivalent about one of them but but uh but the others i'm definitely certain all right well give me a non-ambivalent one airpods yeah i am in love i i I saved up my money and i bought myself some airpods when they first went on sale and i am in love with them i haven't tried them yet but have since getting my iPhone 7 and having to use a dongle, I am definitely interested in investing. Oh, yeah. When I was at CES with my, with my friends uh, this uh, week before last, I guess, one of the guys lost his dongle while he was there and had to, like, truck himself over to the Apple store, and it was a mess. That would be a great country song. I lost my dongle at CES. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so how is the fit? In in uh, ear, for me they fit perfectly. In fact, uh, right now I'm wearing some um, inner monitors that are very good. They have a good seal. They're very neutral and whatnot. So I'm using them for this. But uh, those ones, they and these ones, they they still sort of push out a little bit. They get a little loose, and I have to adjust them. The AirPods I haven't had to adjust at all. Really, I, I sort of adjust them as a tick because I expect them to need adjustment. <laughs> but they don't, uh, at least not for my ears. Uh, so they work for me. And that's, as I was explaining to somebody the other day, that's part of the issue with them is that if they work for you, they work for you. If they don't, they don't. Yeah, and, because they don't have replaceable cups or anything, right? Right, exactly. And, and I understand the the explanation that they measured all these people's ears and they made a design that, that takes the aggregate and should work for the most amount of people. That's but, what they said about the last version of the iPhone headphones. And well, these these fit better. Okay. These fit a little bit better than those because I had those as well, and and those ones definitely did sort of come out. And I, and I don't know. Some people have speculated that the cord is part of the reason why they would come out of your ear or various things. Would not having the cord. I mean, it's been my dream to to live in a cordless society. I hate cords. I they just drive me crazy. I get that. And, yeah, and so just finally being free of that is marvelous. I've yeah. mentioned this on podcasts before, but despite my amazingly good looks and perfectly symmetrical face, I have two different ah. size ear canals. I no actually way. have two different size nostrils as well. Um, the orifices in my head do not match up, which has made <laughs> headphones difficult. So the ones with the replaceable cups, I can usually find a pairing of two different sizes that will stay in my ears but in general the apple iphone or the apple earphones one of them will always pop out when the other one stays in oh that's 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 unfortunate yeah i don't know i i don't know again the design of these things are so complex what you should do is you should try some like have somebody if you're not if you're not adverse to uh to to the trying somebody else's you know yeah see my my problem is things. i'm always worried that they are averse to it oh yeah no i you know i'll i'll if can you I, find can me, I if, stick if your, you find your, me yeah can I you stick can your headphones in my ear <laughs> yeah <laughs> any day brad any day <laughs> ah. uh, that's 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 the new measure of friendship it's not if you if you have a truck and you help people measure it <laughs> <laughs> well you let someone use your your airpods yeah. yeah, no, I love them. I mean, they are a little bassy, but that's the way they they're designed. They're they're not designed for flat sound, uh, but they're I, I I'm I really like them. I really enjoy them. All right, that I I am glad you picked that actually because I had a lot of questions. So my first pick, I haven't gotten a new microwave for a long time. Um, last last one I used regularly was, I think from, I don't know, maybe two thousand and it was very basic so i went ahead and i spent i think 99 dollars, which is to me pretty pretty good for a microwave but i didn't know what i was gonna get so i ordered the rca rmw 1182 
That's who the names name? these things? I don't know. That's ridiculous. But it was a microwave and grill. Uh, and I just basically it fit the price range I needed. It was well reviewed, so I got it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just say microwave and grill? Yeah, so check this out. It comes with this, like, um, wire stand with kind of a grill pattern on top that you can put into the microwave on the rotating glass dish and, say, put a slice of pizza on it. And then there's a pizza button. You hit the pizza button, and it adjusts the power level and timing perfectly and then the grill gives you a crisp crust when it's done and it's at, insane. at first i was hesitant to put you know something with that much metal into the microwave it handles it fine and the instructions talked about like if you're going to use tin foil do it like this and i never realized you could put tin foil in a microwave at all yeah you so, just have to have the distances or something yeah yeah and uh yeah so in addition to a uh, pizza button it has like a reheat button uh, that will give you not overheated leftovers it will there's a, a soup button and a dinner entree button and my favorite it has a mutton button a mutton <laughs> that's awesome and it has three different types of defrost where you can enter your you know by weight or by time and then there's a um, what do they call it like rapid defrost or something that it gives you like a slightly higher uh, power level on the defrost and reduces the time. And it's great for uh, say you have a pound of frozen bacon. It works really well for that. But the, the beauty of it for me is that I'm really very particular about like power level settings. I don't like things to get chewy because I microwave them. Right. And this is so automatic, and every button actually does what you want it to do. I'm I'm fascinated. It does That's not, unfortunately, sense. tell you what it's doing. It doesn't show you what the equivalent settings it's using are when you press one of these buttons, but uh, but it works. So it sounds like it sounds to me that uh, as as Syracuse had the toaster oven reviews that. Uh, uh, Terpstra needs to have the microwave oven reviews. I I can't I can't afford to create a good cross sampling at this point. So I really have this one and a fifteen year old one to compare. I don't feel oh, well, like it's terribly useful. That's yeah, definitely not in the same spectrum. <laughs> not a not a Marco or yeah. It's uh it's a right. it's a one off single sampling review that sounds awesome all right so what's your number two? Second one is uh because one of the things that's happened since being a priest is i end up traveling a lot people will have me come and give conferences or give talks or whatnot in different places i was just recently in anchorage and in boise and other places so i needed some better uh, luggage uh so i was i i'm also a lurker on kickstarter because i don't have a lot of money but I do like to figure out a way to use it in a productive way. And so on Kickstarter, there was this project uh, a while back called the G-Ro. That's G-R-O. And it was uh, designed for a new sort of carry-on luggage. And uh, it finally came in right before I, my trip to CES. And it is magnificent. This This is the best piece of carry-on luggage I have ever seen. The The wheels are uniquely designed. They're not like little dinky wheels like you know you have on most luggage. These are like all tread. These things are amazing. They, they're these amazing wheels that they will travel over anything. Like you could, if you, if you powered this thing, put a little engine on it, you could probably just, you know, go through the Alps with these tires. It's, they're amazing. And then uh, it's got a power bank in it so you can charge all your stuff. And also it has a GPS system, so if you lose it, and also a proximity uh, Bluetooth thing so that if you're trying to find your luggage, luggage claim or whatever, you can find it pretty easily. It's, and it's designed with all the right specs for the size restrictions of the various airlines. Uh, there was a controversy. I read this article recently that it turns out that not all of the 
there isn't actually a standard of measurement for all of the airlines. They measure differently, either based on the outside or the inside of the of the carry-on. Why would they and measure by the inside? Because they're stupid. I don't know. That's the only <laughs> thing that I can say. I, and so what? So what they did? What this this group did is they took all of them. Like they just took all of them. They measured all of them. They found the most restrictive one, and they they measured the the uh, the design of this carry-on to fit the most restrictive uh, form of a thing, but still get the the maximum amount of space to uh, pack your luggage. And it's amazing. I Because I, I have to travel with a lot of stuff oftentimes, like a mask, investments, and all this other stuff over and above my normal clothes. And I was able to fit everything for a week travel, including all of that extra gear in, in my carry-on luggage. And it fit perfectly. And I flew southwest, so it fit perfectly in there in their uh, overhead bins. It was marvelous. Okay, so I found this on Kickstarter. I'm looking at it. It has a lap st- laptop stand, kind of. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it did. Con- it's the, got a the passport handle. storage on the back. Yeah. Wow, it's this got is amazing. It's it's fabulous. Uh, it, it Like I said, it just finished. They just finished production of the first round. They're now offering sales, I think, for for everyone else. It's it is a marvelous, marvelous device. There's some problems with the with the uh, power bank and with the and with the GPS thing that they're going to have to work out. I think, but this is first run, so I'm very happy with the first run. What are we looking at for unit price? I'm not sure what it is right now. Uh, when I backed it on Kickstarter, it was I think the total cost for me was like three hundred and something. Yeah, it looks like. Um... Uh, in the original Kickstarter, two seventy nine would get you one G row. That sounds right. And then you add an extra amount if you were going to have the the power bank as well. Right. The other neat thing about it is that I, I forget to tell people about is that this is compatible with any any uh, charging device. They actually send you along with it all of these. Um, almost like little dongle attachments. So you have not just the USB attachments, but you have all of the different um, power sort of plugs, the different sizes from all the different companies, and they have all of them there. And you can plug anything in. You could, you could, you could, you know, power NASA with this thing. It's amazing. So my favorite innovation in Carry On was the ones with four wheels on the bottom. Right. Um, this looks like it solves that problem by using two huge wheels. It does, and they're not—they're not traditional wheels. Like I said, they're almost like treads. The the center doesn't move. There's uh, the wheel on the outside. The tread sort of aspect of the wheel on the outside is the only part that moves, and it's perfect. Uh, you can you can. There's no more problem. I have no problems with crazy uneven ground. Uh, what made me think about this was if you've ever walked on the sidewalks of Berkeley. Berkeley sidewalks are the worst. And trying to use luggage, wheeled luggage on, on the Berkeley sidewalks was atrocious. It was impossible. It just kept falling over and everything. And I was like, there needs to be a solution for this. And when I saw these these uh, these folks here have that Kickstarter project, I was like, yeah, I'm going to back that. And it works perfectly. I've been Very able nice. to ice, snow, <laughs> everything. There's no, nothing stops <laughs> this thing. It's the, a, nice. it's the ATV of, uh, of carry-on luggage. I am I am actually really impressed, even though I don't even travel that much anymore. This would make I would I would fly coach just to that sounded really pretentious, but just to <laughs> use this bag. Um, so all right, good pick. My second pick. I may have mentioned Meister Task previously, but uh, they've made a lot of uh, upgrades and improvements. I figure it's worth mentioning again. Um, it is from Meister Labs, the same company that makes. Um, uh, MindMeister, which is my favorite online mind mapping tool. Uh, Meister Task is a newer product of theirs that is kind of like Trello with a lot of uh, integrations and a really um, elegant interface. And I enjoy it quite a bit for collaborative project management. And um, they just, they came out with an iOS app a little while ago and as of today, while we're recording this, they've come out with an Android app. So, you know, when you're working with a team, you can never guarantee that everyone has the same access. 
basically they've covered all the foreseeable bases at this point, and uh, and I consider that a huge boon to have native apps that can all interact like that. So, Meister Task is my second pick. Seriously, that that is a big problem. I, I've tried in various times to get collaborative software to work for various groups that I've been engaged with uh, to try and finish tasks, and none of them seem to work for our needs. I'll have to, I'll have to take a look at that. Well, and nothing will frustrate a team faster than switching project management tools even once, but you switch a couple times, people just leave your team. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I was trying to get people to here to use uh, Slack uh, instead of the, because there's a combination, this this messy combination of emails and text messaging and whatnot and notes in, in the boxes. I'm like, let's just have a Slack channel and we can put all these in the different things and we could have a history and it all work. And it just, it never, it never, it never. It's hard really to change works. habits, but I would think everyone would see the deficiencies of an email and text-based project management system. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm offended by the idea. So what's your third pick? Okay, so I mentioned how I hate chords, and another Kickstarter project that I backed was uh, it's it's called Cloop, and that's C L O O P, and they're these little rubber, uh, different sized bands with magnets on the end of them. Imagine that someone created this to to uh, to sort of keep your chords all nice and tidy. They also have a, uh, a piece, a strip of metal that you can get that has micro suction cups on the on the bottom of it, the, the micro like a pad, a micro suction pad. Yeah. That you can stick anywhere, and then you can take the cord and put it out of sight and just store it there, uh, wherever. It's it's they're marvelous. They're they're um, they come in different colors. You know, they're not they're not super exciting, but for me, I've been trying to find a real solution to cable management yeah. and none of them that I've been trying work out really well. These work great. You might not think this is exciting, but I do. Yeah. I, I My current system is based on a lot of twisty ties and then these like zip ties that have the sticky pads on the end so I can oh, hang yeah. cables under a desk and basically once you use them once, once you use them, you can't use them again because to move them, you'd have to cut them. Or once you remove the adhesive from something, it's not going to stick anywhere again. Something reusable in and of itself would be a huge boon. And these are good. These are good magnets too. They're not, they're not, they're not wimpy magnets. So they, they hold tight. And then what I found very helpful so that you don't lose things, especially when you're traveling is that as you fold them together, as you, as you connect your, USB, you know, stuff for your, your lightning cables, your, your Apple watch cable, all, all these things, you can actually just stack them all together and the magnets will, you know, hold all of them together in one clump of, of organized, uh, cable mass. And it's very helpful. I didn't lose anything, uh, in, in Las Vegas. So I, I consider that a win. I, I am suddenly tempted to change my third pick. In fact, I think I might, I, I have to tell you about something else magnetic that's okay. not like one of those wristbands that's supposed to heal you somehow with magnets. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like, like the way crystals were in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, so wait, I somehow forgot to write the Kloop. Okay. Kloop is your third pick. I, I am fascinated. You find good stuff on Kickstarter. I back a lot of stuff that just doesn't make it. And I, eventually just got so disappointed i stopped but i'm i'm very personated because like i said I, I don't have a lot of money i have very very little and so i'm looking and i'm i'm thinking i've only i've only canceled one before and there's two that have failed but but other than that the ones that i've gotten have all gone to production that's a good record yeah all right so my third pick was originally going to be about like the tile that i just got the tile slim um but Instead, I'm going to tell you about Power Stays. It's uh, I got mine at HammerMade. There, there are multiple uh, sellers of this. HammerMade, by the way, it's a Minnesota company that designs shirts, dress shirts, that are uh, like the some of the best off the rack dress shirts I've ever had. Oh wow! Um, 
great materials, great fits, uh, really good in-store service at everyone I've been to, both of them. They have, I think they still have one at the Minneapolis airport. So if you fly through Minneapolis, see if you can find Hammermade. But actually, I think I remember seeing that store when I was there. I'm pretty sure because it sounds familiar. Worth a stop, though. Anything you buy there would require pants. Uh, pants are the worst. We've heard. Um, so these power stays, though, they're collar stays. They're metal collar stays that come with these super powerful little tiny magnets. So you put the metal collar stays in like normal collar stays. And then under the collar, you put the magnet and they snap together. Oh, that's perfect. And your that's collar, it's, so it's like a button down without the buttons. You can wear what? them in, in in full dress. Why has no one thought of that before? That that's brilliant. I, when I used to wear have to wear dress shirts all the time, you know, you have the collar stays, because otherwise you look frumpy. And and gosh, those collar stays were a mess. And that is that's perfect. That's brilliant. Yeah, the first thing I do when I get new dress shirts is replace the collar stays because way too often, even high-end shirts come with those flimsy little plastic collar stays. Yeah. So I have like a I have a small box of like metal collar stays that I'll use, and yeah, this was a great evolution of it. That's nice. It's always those simple those simple innovations that are they're they're so so good. Yes. All right. So that'll be my third pick. And that brings us to the end of the show. I know you have uh, you have a limited amount of free time, so I'm actually capping this one at an hour. Yeah, because I'm considerate. You're 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 a very considerate person, Brad. And you're on Twitter as Luke I four six five five. Remind me what that's a reference to. It's a reference to the Gospel of Luke, chapter one, uh, verse forty six through fifty five. Oh, uh, okay. See, it was the four thousand six hundred fifty-five idea that threw me off. Ha! Yeah, no, it's it's uh, the passage is what's known collectively as the Magnificat. That's Magnificat. It's Magnificat. All right, and let's see. Do you, where where can you be found elsewhere at this point? Um, that's one of the primary places. That and also that terrible place they call Facebook. Um, I'm there as well. Same same uh, title. Actually, you can just put in that that. Uh, Luke I forty six fifty five anywhere, and that's pretty much what my username or handle is everywhere. Okay. Does your uh, parish have a web page? It does. It's holyrosarypdx.org, which uh, I just redesigned and is, and I'm still in the process of redesigning it. Uh, that's also some of the time <laughs> that I'm using. Um, uh, but I was able to convince the parish to switch over to Squarespace, and and it's been a lot easier and. Uh, people seem to like it, so that would be really perfect well. if I had a Squarespace sponsorship this week. I know, right? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, and then, as most people know, I am Brett Terpstra. I am at brettterpstra dot com, and you can find me as TT Scoff everywhere, much like Luke I four six five five. Everywhere, that, punch that in everywhere, anywhere, anywhere you want to go. <laughs> Even like dead social services, I'm still there. Yeah, I'm still on app.net, I think, there. App.net and Ello and yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to remind people. I, when I say I'm supposed to, it's because I left myself a note, not like someone ordered me. I'm supposed to remind people to go to iTunes and leave clever reviews. Um, you can rate it four stars. If you want to, anything less, I, I, I will be offended. Um, but you have to, with anything less than five stars, you have to leave a clever response or a clever review. Impress me, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, it was worth losing a star. Yeah, that's a, that would be worth it. Yeah. All right. So, also, for anyone wondering, Overtired will be back soon. Um I it, it's entirely my fault that it's been kind of dead for a month, but it's coming. It's coming back. So I I just saw Christina uh, at CES. It was it was delight uh, spending some time with her. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about CES. I know, right? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Father Gabriel. Hey, it's always it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Brett. All right, and uh, we'll see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening.